The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, you know what? I think for a lot of folks, uh, this year was the year that uh, you learned how to cook, maybe to bake. Whatever it was, uh, we were stuck at home a lot during the pandemic. It didn't leave a, a lot of room for eating out, although a lot of us certainly uh, ordered in. We uh, had to fend for ourselves a whole lot more. And uh, and it's funny because I remember everyone was trying to make sourdough bread and you couldn't find yeast. You couldn't do It was absolutely unreal. And then gardening kind of took over as well. Emily Mardell is a registered dietitian. She's the owner of Food First Nutrition Consulting. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at GetJoyful. Emily joins us this afternoon. Hey, Emily, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. All right, so Emily, what what did you what did you decide this year was going to be your thing to 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 bake, to cook, or not? Or because you're a dietitian, you said no, I've got to do this in moderation. So no, I'm not going to do it. Well, I have to echo what you just said because I definitely hopped on the sourdough bandwagon as well. <laughs> now, it's not necessarily new to me, but I think um, embracing it kind of differently definitely was. So uh, my grandmother taught me how to make bread when I was a child. And it wasn't until I kind of um, got older, it almost became a little bit of a a meditation for me in some way, shape or form. Mm. So sometimes baking and baking bread in particular, there's just something so special about it that it's not onerous or like um, annoying for me. It's just time well spent where you can kind of tap out of your crazy mind for a few minutes and just kind of be with the flour, like you said, the yeast, the water, (laughs) the salt, and just cross your fingers and hope to God it turns out and it's edible. So that's, that's what you do, you know? <laughs> I have never made bread by hand. Like I think back in the 90s, those bread makers became really mm-hmm. popular. You just kind of dump everything in. And there was a cheese bread that I used to make on occasion in there. I think that that machine is still downstairs in the in the nexus that is our basement. Um, <laughs> but but homemade bread, when you, when you look and, and, and from what you know of, uh, you know, the psychology around food and that sort of thing, why was baking such a big part of it? Why was bread such a big part of it? Does that go back to comfort food? Does it go back to maybe something we did with family when we were younger? Absolutely. And I think it comes down to necessity as well. If you think about kind of how we've moved away from simple food, Anthony Bourdain says one of my favorite quotes, it's like simple food, most often very uh, much the best food is most often the simplest food, you know, and bread, when you talked about what went missing from the grocery store shelves, it was, you know, yeast and flour and and not necessarily salt but those were the things that went away because if you look at breads a lot of commercial breads that we would purchase there might be 25 30 ingredients on a label but ultimately when scarcity was you know kind of on our minds or the food supply was a little bit impacted we quite very quickly realized hey you can make bread with a couple simple ingredients you know so (laughs) so i think more than anything it's it's necessity and uh, a lot of these um recipes, whether it's, you know, through various cultures, whether it's, you know, roti or sourdough or dumplings, we all have that um, cultural recipe that helps us stretch food dollars, that fills bellies and hearts, like you mentioned, and um, keeps people alive and sustained uh, physically and mentally, and, and bread's at the heart of that for sure. Emily, how how do you think that the pandemic has, has changed uh, I guess maybe our relationship with food and and some of the habits that we have 
with food. Uh-huh. Have you thought about that? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I thought about it. And we look at uh, some uh, research that's kind of trickling in and also just anecdotally speaking with clients and family and friends and in my own mind, um, you know, we're at home more and um, we are eating more uh, in some way, shape or form, whether it's through, you know, snacking or that sort of thing. If you're a parent like me, I have three children, so I feel like I make 42 snacks a day. That's what I do. I'm like just a snack machine. <laughs> um, so you, you just have a little bit more um, of a realization that, hey, like, am, am I really disorganized with food? Or, you know, it's a call to action because when you would normally get up and kind of have to make breakfast in this window and get to work and pack your lunch and all these sorts of things, whether it's for work or school, when that structure is kind of stripped away, um, it takes a little while for us to find our groove and kind of get back into yeah. a schedule that dysregulation is made all the more complicated by stress, right? So when we are stressed and cortisol is high in our bodies, um, we tend to, you know, crave more of those comfort foods, those high salt, high sugar, high fat foods, um, because food is innately comforting. So that's the sort of thing that kind of happens. And then we have to have to find our bearings in our own way again. Yeah, and that's kind of some of the the, the challenging parts. Although, you know, I, I know I have uh, some friends who say that they've put on like the COVID twenty, but then I've seen people, uh, a number of people who took this time, who took this year, nine ten months, to say, I'm going to bear down and I'm going to do it, and lost massive amounts of weight. I know someone who has lost over a hundred pounds during all of this. Another friend of mine lost eighty five pounds. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's amazing what it is is that finally gets you to the point where you say, I'm going to do this. And I I never thought a pandemic would be on that list, but for some it was. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes we're able to uh, shift our focus back to, you know, our own health and wellness or something that perhaps we've wanted to work on for a while. For some people, um, if it is for health reasons, that may very well be, you know, a, a weight loss journey. For other people, you know, it, it's it's something different. It's becoming more physically active or just being more present at home with family, friends, that sort of thing. Um, maybe not physically, but in other ways, you know. So I think it's uh, made some of us more intentional about certain things but I have to say that um, the whole weight conversation around COVID is kind of a bit of a thorn in my side because oh, uh, you know the COVID the COVID 15 and all these sorts of things are that you hear the quarantine 15 pardon me you know I just think we, we have to um, you know infuse some compassion and uh, awareness into when we have conversations around weight in our bodies and things like that like it is we're in the middle of a global freaking pandemic <laughs> like i yep. think people like like i know that goes without saying but also um the way we talk to ourselves and we are hard on ourselves for making certain decisions or for maybe changes happening uh, to our bodies or our minds at this time i think we really need to just take stock of the circumstance and recognize that we're doing the best that we can and for some people the sad reality in our city you know one in ten households are food insecure mm-hmm. um we have hungry people in our community and it's all the worse by um you know um the the pandemic and other challenges that uh, our food banks and other systems have so you know i think um when people talk about you know having an abundance of food as being an issue or gaining weight as being a problem i just want to have a little mental check and say like hey guys let's be compassionate to ourselves and to other people in our community that uh don't have that same problem for different reasons 
Yeah, no, that's an excellent point, Emily. Excellent, excellent point. Um, have you? Do you think you know? When at the start of all this, I think there was concern. We saw some shortages um, with uh, with with a few different products, and you know, um, and and it changed over over the summertime. I mean, you couldn't find a mason jar at one point to to, to save your life uh, because everyone started gardening as well, which was bril- which was brilliant. But when it comes to to food waste. Um, and I'll be honest with you, in our home, we, we're, we're pretty bad for buying things. I will buy, especially yogurt. I love yogurt, but I never eat it. I, I buy it, mm-hmm. and I bring it home, and then I throw it out. When it, mm-hmm. and, I, and I have to I keep wrapping my head around that. I mean, when you look at food waste, has, has, has what we've gone through, um, do you think that that's had any impact on, on our, our thoughts about, um, you know, less waste and being more resourceful? I think so. I, I see people being way more creative in the kitchen, um, being adaptable when they're making recipes that, you know, might require this one specific ingredient sometime, but using a substitution, um, buying more frozen, canned, shelf-stable foods, buying things that are more in season, being mindful around what's going to last a little bit longer. So I'm seeing that trend for sure. And I would say that people are planning ahead. So there's taking stock of what they have on hand and trying to more create meals and menus to use what they have too. So you can kind of save on the back end and the front end when it comes to menu planning. So planning ahead is a good way to get what you need and also to use what you have. One of the things that I thought was um, exceptionally beautiful, and I and I saw it again today on on Twitter. My friend Julie posted a, a beautiful bread that had been dropped off at her home uh, oh. today to be to be shared. And we saw a lot of that, and we're still seeing it, obviously. Um, just people. You're putting a smile on on other people's faces, and I don't know. Earlier today, my operator, um, who, who you were talking to, when when he called you, someone dropped off wrestling magazines for him, knowing that Aww. that he loves wrestling. Out of the blue, was a listener, um, you know, having baking show up, whatever it is. But when it comes to the food part, I I think that that is a it's a language of love for some people. That is how they show love is through food, and. And, and to see that spread across the city over the past number of months has been really, really heartwarming. Has has that has that touched you in any way, or just me? <laughs> no, no. And you say it, and it almost makes me tear up. And and that kind yeah. of speaks to, I guess, my mental state. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's just like food is my love language as well. And, yeah. you know, it's it's ultimate unifier. Um, it's how we map where we come from as people. It's how we tell stories. It's how we court lovers. It's how we show love and affection. And it's how we build connections. So whether or not people are around our tables or we're um, dropping something off at a neighbor or we're, um, you know, bringing a prepared meal to, you know, a senior who we might not be able to visit with right now. These are all things that I think um, tell us in a small way, but a big way that things are going to be okay, that we can still find ways to kind of bridge that gap and come together. So it's one of my favorite things to see and to do. Um, I just made a big batch of cranberry sauce earlier uh, today. So I'll be delivering. I live in a cul-de-sac, so I just kind of like make a quick loop (laughs) and drop everything off on the doorstep. Um, But I always make cranberry sauce for everybody. And it's such a simple thing, but everyone kind of looks forward to it. And I look forward to doing it more so. But I have to say that 
this past weekend, um, I work with the Holiday Hamper Foundation and uh, Santa's Anonymous, the Holiday Hamper Foundation, um, the Christmas Bureau, so many organizations, amazing organizations in our community, uh, hand-delivered uh, holiday hampers, uh, food, toys, Christmas cheer to Edmontonians in need. And that is my Christmas Day, Jalen. It is the day where like my faith in humanity is restored and it's just it's so awesome i can tell you from my own personal experience as an elf you know bringing food uh to families um i'll never forget the first time i delivered a holiday hamper if you'll indulge me for a second yes um i was you know but you know lots of groceries and toys and different things like that but i remember carrying in at the end this kind of box of oranges to this family and the lady um the way she greeted me and and took the box of oranges i could tell she started to tear up and she hadn't had oranges in so long and what i take for granted every single day in my refrigerator was the thing that brought her to tears even after like all the toys and everything had been brought in you know what I mean so I never that never leaves me because um you know I, anyway it's just a special experience that I think um you know and I just kudos to all the organizations and amazing people and volunteers who are just uh, really truly showing up for our community this year Without a doubt, without a doubt, Emily. And you know, you go back about the the sharing. You know, the the, the love language, and one of those w- languages is through food. And we're seeing all of this happen. I wonder if it's going to continue. I wonder if it's going to continue into next year and the year after. I just, I, I wonder if something has been felt so deeply by some people that it's it's going to just become a a thing, something that we do for our loved ones, for our neighbors, or it you know when we all get kind of back to normal it just you know goes out the back door again well i hope we don't forget i hope uh we're kind of rewired to uh keep the good things that have come out of uh this mess because i think you're touching on one of them absolutely um i myself in our in our own home and what i've been encouraging some of my uh, clients and friends is to take some time to even um, explore food tradition in your own family as well Mm. so um you know maybe it's like calling your grandmother and finding out one of her favorite recipes as a child or learning to make you know borscht or pierogies or learning you know something that maybe you've never done before because you've only ever went to auntie's house for dinner and you have no idea how to do it like we can again build connection and um stay rooted in our families through through food so that's a great way to carry it forward too once you learn a skill or learn a new recipe that that won't leave you either before I let you go, Emily, and I sure appreciate your time uh, today. Um, your your Christmas supper, your your holiday supper. Um, if you, <laughs> when you look at that, um, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite thing that you're looking forward to that maybe was a grandmother's recipe or your auntie's recipe that that uh, that you hope to pass down to to your kids someday? Well, it's so funny that you asked this question because we were just talking about it earlier, and it might surprise few people um a dietitian saying this but it's a strange salad that i'm sure a lot of families probably have at least one strange salad on their menu but we um it's called it's a partridge berry salad so partridge berries are um uh they grow in newfoundland they're kind of like a lindenberry so similar um in and they're very very tart uh like a cranberry and my grandmother always uh has partridge berries and a apple and then the base is like a strawberry or cherry jello so it 
it gets kind of all mixed together. <laughs> I can tell I'm really uh, enticing people, but it, it looks really pretty, and it's it's like almost like a cranberry sauce alternative. But yeah. uh, it was something that I always looked forward to as a kid when I think about like turkey dinner or, or Christmas time, when I have this salad and the pops of berries in my mouth, and like I can just recall that I'm like instantly seven, and it's so funny because that's my daughter who's eight now. That's her favorite thing so she might have like half her plate of this like you know obnoxiously (laughs) tart and sweet salad but it's one day who cares right go for it oh exactly you know what i'm going to leave it there i'm not going to ask you you know within two weeks you're going to be uh doing the rounds people asking what's the best way to lose weight what do we do now (laughs) all these resolutions and i'm going to leave it there with some beautiful food thoughts uh emily thank you for joining us this afternoon i appreciate your time merry christmas to you and yours and um i'm going to look up this recipe you, you had me, you kind of <laughs> lost me at jello because I got a jello issue, but it sounds really interesting. All the best, Emily. Thank okay, you so much. Take, take care, everyone, and happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all your listeners, and you take care. Yeah, you too. Emily Mardell joining us this afternoon. Do you have, Chedville, one of those recipes that comes from the family that shows up every year? You might not even like it, but someone has to make it because it's been made for 110 years. 780-496-0063. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and let's have a little bit of a, a quick conversation about that on the other side.